Hey, welcome back to Earth Like Heaven. My name is Doug Ressler, and joining me as always is... Robbie Sherry. Robbie and I are here to help you close the gap between Earth and Heaven in your life by learning to live like Jesus. Robbie, last time we talked about the good life, how we define the good life. We sort of went back to the um, pleasure, power, purpose principle that the great um, psychotherapy schools of the 19th and 20th century sort of offered, and we kind of explored those and then sort of landed on the life, uh, the good life as Jesus defines it. Uh, But I think as you and I sort of talked after that, we talked about how, man, there's lots of people in this world who don't know Christ, who would say, man, they've got a great life. Correct. And life is going really well for them. And they are, um, they've got a great family and man, they probably give back to their community in some way, shape or form. And um, you don't necessarily need Jesus for all of those things. But um, at the same time, what the sense I get from Christ is that, I mean, one, because he just tells you flat out, right? He is the way, the truth, and the life. No mm-hmm. one comes to the Father through him. So there's a sense you get from the, the life of Jesus that he is offering a life on another level than anything we could possibly achieve in this world. So even if you were able, without Jesus, and a lot of people are on some level, to achieve a certain level of goodness or a certain, certain you know, gain a certain amount of the good life, it's never going to quite compare to the life that Jesus offers that. Would you, would you say that's a fair fair statement? Very and much and so. if so, in your own head, like map that out for us a little bit. Well, what's the old, was it Ben Franklin who said, early to bed, early to rise, makes a man healthy, wealthy, mm-hmm. and wise. And we have sort of a silent saying in our culture, I think, too, that it's drive the car that you want, get the spouse that you want, get the house that you want, have the family that you want, and you're happy. And that's a good life. Mm-hmm. And who could ask for anything more? Which sounds like a line from the musical, actually. <laughs> uh, could you sing that for us? Yeah. <laughs> but it, it is, it's a difficult thing to present to somebody mm-hmm. to say, hey, I think you need Jesus. And the response is, why? Right. You know, because right. he has this, Jesus offers you an abundant life. Like That's what he says. It's, he's not here to have a bunch of you know, people that have this miserable life that are conforming out of just begrudging obedience. No, he actually offers you an amazing life. And they sit there and go, but I have an amazing life. Right. Look at what I I have. Mm -hmm. And in those moments, I'm always challenged with this sort of gentle opportunity to go, is it is it as much as you hope for? Because from my perspective, if the scale of abundance or goodness goes to a thousand, I think you're at about a four. Mm. But for them, when they look around life, they see that other people are at a three or a two, they think. And so, hey, a four, they're crushing it. They're killing it. Mm. So how is it that you convince somebody who has the cars, dog, spouse, house, job, family, and life experiences that they've wanted... How do you convince those people that there's actually more? Yeah, it's kind of like the old dilemma of like, what do you get the person who has it all? Right, the Christmas, you know, yeah, right, yeah, the, the person know. whose name you don't want at the office Christmas party. <laughs> totally, who seems to have it all. And I think there are, um, there are quite a few people in this world. I know, I know quite a few of them myself. I talk to them all the time about it, about how they, they really do feel like they have everything they need, everything mm-hmm. they've ever wanted. And they're asking the question like, yeah, you're... You're offering me Jesus, but but of course in their minds they're thinking, well, Jesus is going to come into my life and take things away. Right. So that's some, that's a dynamic they're dealing with. But really, the dynamic is that there's not much more that Jesus has to offer me than what I've already achieved or what I already have. Now, interestingly enough, some of those same people, when they bump up against something like cancer, when they bump up against something like the death of a loved one, for instance, the last couple of years, COVID. Mm-hmm. 
I find has opened up all kinds of new conversations with folks. Uh, the, and, and I don't know if it's just brushing up against the sort of finite nature of their lives. Like as much as we might achieve in our life, what we, how we, however we define the good life, as much as we might achieve of that, at the end of the day, it terminates with us. Right. And, and at most, I'm going to get you know, 80, 90 years on this earth, and there's going to be all kinds of ups and downs in those 80 or 90 years, and, and, then, and then it's going to terminate, and that's it. And, and there's no guarantee that what I have achieved will be passed on to my own children. There's no guarantee that what I've achieved will be replicated in any kind of way. And so you have to ask, the, I mean, like when I start to talk to folks about that, like, okay, so like what happens? Like project out. Okay, you have everything you want right now in this moment. That's awesome. Like mm-hmm. that, that's not, there's nothing wrong with that. Sure. I mean, that's great that you've been able to achieve that and have found success in life. But, but project out for me 30 years from now. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden, your spouse has cancer. Now all of a sudden you have cancer. Now all of a sudden you're brushing up against the end of your life. And how will you, how, how at that moment will you be looking back and, and evaluating how you lived? And, and, where, and now when you get into those conversations, I do find that it opens some doors because I think there's again a sense within every single person, even even some of the atheist friends that I've got, there's a sense within them that surely this life can't be all there is. Right. That's the famous uh, Tom Brady interview, right? Right, right. He just won, I don't know how many Super Bowls. Right. You know, they're interviewing him and he says, you know, sometimes I look around and I go, there's, there's got to be more there's than gotta this. There's got to be more than this. And yeah. he just like, wait a sec. Right. I mean, you're married to a supermodel. Right, right. You've you've reached the pinnacle of your sport right. multiple times. Right. Ring for every finger. And there seems yeah. to be this I mean, he's it's just a moment of, of intellectual and emotional honesty, honesty. in which he goes, yeah. There there has to be more. The, yeah. I mean, you can buy any yacht, any any vehicle you want, you can live yeah. in any house you want, you can live anywhere in the world that you want, depending on the season, and you still get a sense of there has to be something more. I think what I find is challenging is it seems that the older people get, the more willing they are to reflect on that. Yes, yeah. Whereas I deal with 14 to 18 year olds. Correct. And the idea of projecting something out 30 years is impossible for them. And if they see their parents already down that road and their parents Mm -hmm. seem happy and their parents seem like they have a good life Mm -hmm. and you say, hey, I think there's more. I think life actually offers you more in the personal work of Jesus Christ they'll come back with, well, my parents seem to have achieved it and they don't mm-hmm. make Jesus this priority, so why should I? Right, exactly. And and especially when they're that young, they think they're indestructible, mm-hmm. sort of death and, and those kinds of things seem to be very sort of far off things that they don't right. need to think about, right? And um, it's why teenagers act the way that they do. It's why you and I acted that way as teenagers, I imagine, right? You I know, didn't. Just, yeah, well, no, I'm sorry. You, you were very mature. <laughs> Yes, I no, was I'm not. Kidding, you I'm were kidding. you were very mature. No, I can tell. No, yeah, we've already right. covered that. Right. You were all, you were like a sixty year old yeah. man in like a fourteen year old body. Absolutely, yeah. I still am. I'm right. old, old. You still are. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, and so, right. So, so people bump up against that, and again, it gets back to then: how do you help? How do you help people understand? Again, God is not here to take away. The goodness of your I life. think a lot of people think that though. I do. I do. Yeah. I think people yeah. think if I follow God, he's going to take away my cool things. Right. I'm going to have to be sent to some country where I don't right. speak the language. Right. 
and Sarah McLaughlin music is going to be playing yes, in the background. Yeah, we're joking about how I have no idea who you're talking about, but yes. Uh-huh. But it's, you know, it's that, it's that sense of God is here to rob me of my joy. And I go, mm-hmm. just think for a sec. If you're going to start a faith, right. what, a, what a terrible business strategy that right, is. Right, what right, a right, terrible, right. you know, BHAG, if we're talking Jim Collins, you know, the big, hairy, audacious goal or whatever to get a bunch of people to really be disgruntled and hate this path of life that they're on and use those people to recruit more people. Right. That sounds incredible right there. <laughs> and it is incredible, actually. And and maybe that's why the church is dying on some level. Maybe. I mean, is that... Yeah, is so that does you it have take a, cancer? Right. Does, it, does it take right. a terrible event for people mm-hmm. to sit there and go, maybe mm-hmm. this path that I've been on that I thought would let, you know end mm-hmm. at a, this abundant or full life, maybe it's wrong. Does it... Does it take devastation these mm-hmm. days, or is it possible to convince people before that day comes mm-hmm. that they're on the wrong path? That's a really great question, and I will like the the honest part of me, or the the like my my first reaction to that is I don't know, man. Like I I actually think it takes something like that to wake us up to um, the poverty of our condition, right? To to give us perspective. Um, I think most of us sort of live in a um, blissful ignorance sort of on the day-to-day um, where we don't want to think about death. We don't want to think about pain. We don't want to think about suffering. Suffering is something to be avoided, mm-hmm. right? I remember in the middle of the pandemic talking to a young person, and she was just heartbroken over um, obviously what was taking place and the people that were dying and the number of people getting sick. So was I, right? Um, and I said, and so she, she wanted to basically lock down the world forever. Right. I mean, this is a young person, right? Sure. So not, not really fully grasping like all of the ramifications of that, but in her mind, lock it all down forever so that no one ever gets sick ever again. Right. Like that in her mind. Right. Yeah. And I said, um, I said now on some, like we talked about a lot of different things, but I, I kind of was like, well, you do understand like you're asking for something that's literally not possible, like for no one to ever get sick ever again. Like that's not actually an achievable goal. And Mm -hmm. she's like, why not? That's the way it should be. And I, and I, and I went, there was a part of me that kind of wanted the sarcastic part of me would kind of wanted to like go, Oh, you naive little, you know, little little girl, like you don't really under, but then there was a part of me that like the greater part of me that said, you know what? You're right. That right. is the way that it should be. Ecclesiastes 3.11. That is how yeah. actually God designed the world. And what I'm hearing from you, even though in this moment you're not articulating it this way, what I'm hearing from you is a definition of, again, the good life. Right. And, and the good life that God designed us for from the beginning and one day will bring back to us again. That's what I'm hearing from you. And so we ended up having this wonderful actual dialogue about faith and mm-hmm. about this is someone who doesn't believe doesn't profess christ about faith and about what what god offers us in jesus christ what god wants to do in order and what he is doing to bring about the restoration of all things so that yes there will be a day when every tear will be wiped away mm-hmm. every wrong will be redressed there will be no more sickness no more crying no more suffering no more pain that day is coming because that's how god designed things to be we broke them and God has been on a mission ever since to restore that right. which was broken and bring it back. Oh, man, it turned into this amazing gospel conversation sure. with someone who 
has, even at her young age, achieved a lot of things that we would call good. You know, right, right. she's highly educated. She has a great job. She is, uh, you know, incre- has some deep, deep friendships with people. I mean, she she's in a good place in life. Yeah. And yet the pandemic really messed with her. Sure. It really messed with her. But it's those moments, yeah. I think, and it's really difficult to tell somebody in the moment, like, mm-hmm. maybe this is the most loving thing the God of the universe can do for you right mm-hmm. now. It's, you, you can't say that when no, someone right. gets the diagnosis or the bad right. news, but right. I think those are the things that people who would say they have a good life, are, are they're avoiding, mm-hmm. but at some point it's going to catch them. Yeah. At, at some point they're going to have the really bad day, mm-hmm. you know, the proverbial dark night of the soul, I suppose. And it's, it's such a difficult thing to stand by and watch and go, Hey, I like that day's coming. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Jesus doesn't offer you a life that avoids those things because you right. still live in this world, right. but he offers you this incredible, uh, extension of himself to walk through those with you so that in this weird way, when you experience the the junk of life, that you're going to have this weird transcendent peace, joy, a sense of it's all okay, Mm. in spite of the fact that life around you is falling apart. And those, I think that's why people who are in crisis tend to be more willing to hear about the gospel of Jesus Christ, because it's in those moments they realize they actually don't control everything. Right. And unfortunately, to try to communicate that to somebody that they don't control everything, that there's going to be a bad day, who's living what the world would say is a good life, they don't want to hear it. Right. You sound like a negative Nancy, and you're, you're saying, no, 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 no. Like, I promise you. And it's, right. it's this invitation into this life with a God who does not seek to take, mm-hmm. but instead offers you this other way of living so that that which you've been gifted in is repurposed for something greater than yourself so that everything that you do, I mean, it's the, it's the Solomon experiment, I think people can have a good steak and enjoy it. And I think people can enjoy parties. And I think people can have a lasting marriage. And I think people can acquire really neat things and look around and go, this is good. But Solomon did it at such a greater mm-hmm. level. And he said, yeah, in the moment, it's good. It's good for a bit. And then it fades and it loses its value. And that's, it, it loses its sense of, of importance and then you're clamoring for more and more and more and more. And that's why his conclusion is everything under the sun is meaningless in the sense that all of the great things that we think about in this life are eventually going to either end up on a tombstone with mm-hmm. fewer than 24 words or in a, somebody's attic right. or in a, in a junkyard or something like that. But if, if we see those things as the creator sees them and we roll up the purpose of those to something beyond the sun then it comes back and informs meaning to this life. And that's what makes it good. That gives us a sense of value and worth and purpose beyond all the measurements the world says we should measure them against. Yeah, it's really interesting. As you're talking, I'm thinking about something that Karl Barth uh, once said, um, great theologian from the 20th century, um, lived through um, Nazi Germany, that whole mess. And, um, and often, you know, was one of the resistors, spoke out against, you know, national socialism, all of those kinds of things. The way you describe life in this world, even at its best, it's like living in a warehouse with blacked out windows. And it's not until, like, 
you read the Bible or the Holy Spirit intersects with your life and God opens your eyes to the to the wide, wide world that exists outside this like little warehouse that you've created for yourself. Now inside the warehouse, when that's the only reality you know, you think it's pretty good. Right. Like you have what you need. You know, and then and then someone like dares to go up to the window and like start rubbing it and like all of a sudden you can kind of see outside and you see the full extent of the goodness that 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 God has for you that you're just like robbing yourself of by living right. in that little warehouse. He might have taken that from a guy named Plato in his allegory uh, of the cave. I don't, I don't, before. I don't know who you're talking about. Whatever. But anyway, yes. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Um, it's a really brilliant application of that. Yeah. And to think about like how. And so essentially, I think what we talk about how bad things happen to good people, which is mm. a, a huge issue for so many people. Yep. Like, like why does God allow natural disasters? Mm-hmm. You know, when I was down south, we went through Hurricane Katrina. Like, why does God allow something like that? Why does God allow warfare like in Ukraine these days? Why does God allow mass starvation? Why does God allow these things? Um, Why does God allow cancer? Why does Mm -hmm. God allow our our brains to be impacted by depression and anxiety in the ways that they are? Like, why does God allow these things? Why does he not just step in and take care of these things? And, and I, and I don't, I I don't think it's God causing those things to happen to us. I, I, but I do think God uses those things. And so this is why, on, on a big, big, big sense, why God allows them to happen. He allows them to happen because it's when we come face-to-face with those things that we come face-to-face with the limits of the world that we have created for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And we come face-to-face with the finite nature of the things that we've accumulated for ourselves. And we come face-to-face to the, with, with just how impoverished our condition truly is. And it, and it, it at least gives us the opportunity to lift our eyes above the hills, right? And or or, or look outside the the walls of this warehouse right. and actually see the fullness of 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 what God has prepared for those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. Totally. And and so that what is what I've seen. And you know, again, been all over the world and interacted with people from all different walks of life, all different kinds of life experiences. And the people that have, uh, in my experience, the people that have often suffered the most, and I'm talking about suffering on like an existential level, like on levels that I can't even begin to fathom or even describe, the people that have suffered the most tend to be the ones who are most aware of the vast horizons of God's plan and God's purposes and God's love for us. They, they know things about God that I simply do not know because mm. I have not walked in their shoes and I have not experienced them the way that they have because I have not, frankly, needed that experience because I've got a good life, an easy life on some level. I would even, let's not call it good, let's call it easy. <laughs> I've got an easy life on some level. My life is relatively easy. Now, I've got my struggles like anybody, but my life is relatively easy when compared to some of what um, men, women, children experience on the day-to-day yeah. in and around the world, whether they live in you know places where of deep poverty or they live in countries where the government is so totalitarian and so it's it's you know they don't have any freedom, or they live in places where um, there's no opportunity, right? They, they 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 don't they don't get the opportunity to go to high go to college and, and get a degree. Those kinds of things, like they yeah. they are they are living through those experiences and. And, and so as a result, they, they almost, they have no place to turn but to God. And then God meets them in a powerful way and right. shows them what he has for them. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, you know what? Like this world really isn't all there is. Good. 
good because mm-hmm. this world stinks. Yeah. I hate it. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm living through hell on some level. Yeah. And so it's good news that there's a different world coming. And I, again, going back to this young person I was talking to, right, in the middle of the COVID pandemic, and here she is really struggling with these things. And I'm like, isn't it good news to know that there's a world coming where there will not be COVID? Right. And she was like, huh. And I was like, and God is offering you the opportunity to be a part of that world through his son, Jesus Christ. Right. Is that something that would be attractive to you? And she's like, yes, it, it would be. Now, I wish I could tell you that she had given her yeah. life to Christ Trauma, and those things, but, but right. she's still on the journey. But, sure. but the door has been open now, right? right? And now we can have these conversations and we can you know, talk about these things. Because again, it's about, it's about what is your definition of good. It is. Yeah. And what That's... happens then when your definition of good gets broken by what is bad in this world? And all of a sudden, your home that you spent your whole life saving up for, the beach house that you spent your whole life saving up for on Dolphin Island, gets washed away by the storm surge in Katrina, and it's gone. Right. You know? Well, it's, it, I think that's why it, you know, we have a good life. Then we experience things that aren't good, that are beyond our control. And we can't think of anybody to blame. Right. And so that's why people... I, I just think it's really fascinating that people cry out to God they who do. don't believe in God. Right, right. Who when... Or they'll blame God who don't believe in yeah, God. Yeah, yeah. The bad thing comes, right, they right. go, God, why would you let this happen? And you right. go, well, wait a second. Yeah, two minutes ago, right. you didn't believe in God and you were a self-made right. person and you experienced the good life. But now that it's turned bad, you certainly don't want to blame self. Right. You certainly don't want to blame others because you realize like it's not somebody else that caused the sickness or the illness or something right. like this. And so you blame the only thing that you know, and it, it just cracks me up that people, you know, when they swear, the highest thing they can think of to swear to is God. Right. And when people get mad at something they can't quite lay their finger on, the highest authority they can think to blame is God. And so I just kind of want to gently say, well, well, let's talk about that. Right. Because if there are these bad things in this life, and I don't know if we want to transition to mm-hmm. the bad things and good people, but... What is it if you're, you know, if you're driving in the car listening to this and you're examining your own life and going, man, I got a pretty good life. I I think the intellectual honesty part is to ask, so what do you do? How do you cope Mm. with, with a stuff beyond your control? I mean, there's, there's a couple things. Do you, is your life good relative to others? Are you measuring its goodness relative to others? That's right. Are you chasing the next level of goodness as you perceive it? And if so, are you exhausted growing tired and weary of trying to do that. And that just mm-hmm. seems like a terrible way to live is your, when you, when you realize in those moments that you're not in control, that there are bad things, do you tend to shrug if it doesn't affect you personally? Or do you tend to look in the mirror and go, there has to be something more. And I think that's what I try to do in my ministry and in my life is to be there in those moments, to yeah. build relational mm-hmm. equity to the point where, when somebody gets that point, and hopefully it's before the devastation, who can say, there has to be something more to where I can say, there is. Hmm. It's fantastic. And it's not a God who's seeking to take. It's a God who's seeking to give. Yes. But maybe in a way that you, you haven't considered. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think, I think we'll hold off until next time on the why sure. bad things happen to good people. But you know, just to play off of what you just said there, um, being there in those moments when, when people are asking some of those big questions... And really helping them think through, you know, okay, you, you don't give God a second thought. And then this event happens, and now all of a sudden you're crying out to God. What does that, what does that say about, right. about what you've, how you've probably thought all the way, what's been operating in the background of your thinking all the way along, 
right? And and now where you where you want to go with that? And do you really understand what you're asking? Because if you're asking God to intervene, it's like C.S. Lewis said: you're asking for the author of the play to walk on the stage. And when the author of the play like walks on the stage, the play is now over. Mm-hmm. You're, you're asking for for God's kingdom to come. And when that kingdom comes, are you actually prepared for that? Are you actually prepared for that moment? If the author were to do what you're right. what you're asking the author to do, if they were to walk on this, are you actually prepared to meet your maker now in that moment? Are you prepared to go before him? Which then brings up all kinds of questions like, well, as people often ask, how good do I have to be? Right. right? Which keeps <laughs> what's keeps the us, scale? Keeps us going down this road of what is goodness? What is the good life? What does yes. this good thing mean? And and you know, and I, I imagine there are people listening that are probably going, Man, like who like can I just like live my life and not think about these things? And I guess my answer to that is I wish you could. It'd be really nice. It'd be really nice to sort of live our lives in ignorant bliss. But guess what? You are a, a responsible human being. And as a responsible human being, you are responsible for far more than you probably realize, at least according to the Bible. And you're going to be held responsible for those things. And like any responsible human being, no, you don't get to be like a child mm. and just sort of not think about these things. As, as the Apostle Paul says, right, when I was a child, I, I acted like a child. I thought like a child. I talked like a child. But when I became an adult, I put childish ways behind me. So many of us, I think, spiritually are like children. We... We wish we could just keep on going sort of in this ignorance and this bliss and 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 with the sort of blind hope that, that God at the end will sort of just forgive us and we'll all go to heaven and it's all going to be fine. And again, I, I wish that were true. To be honest, there's a part of me that like wishes that were sure. true. But the reality is Jesus himself said that that's not true, that actually human beings are made in the image of God. They're given a mission by God and a mandate mm-hmm. by God to care for everything that he has made and will be held accountable by God at the end of the day right. for what we have been entrusted with. And so if you're, you, you, so you don't get, you don't get that option of just sort of like cruise, putting, putting life in cruise control and um, um, without really thinking through these things. And that's really what we're here to do is to help spur right. some of this conversation, help spur um, some of this thinking. And of course, if people want to, you know, ever want to connect and follow up with us personally, and they happen to live in the Parker area, the Douglas County area, you and I are more than willing to sit down Absolutely. with them and, and do that. But um, let's finish our, our episode today. So thanks, Robbie, again, for, for being here and mm-hmm. for, for talking about these things. And we'll talk next time about why do bad things happen to good people. And then we'll also need to talk maybe the episode after that, right? You know, uh, uh, in terms of further definitions of goodness and, and um, just continuing to probe this subject. So thanks for being with us to talk about these things and thanks as always to jake and billy our guys behind the the glass making you and i sound good at least we hope we're sounding good um there's only so much those guys can do that's right um, not their fault um please keep listening as we dive deeper into what it means to follow jesus we'd love your comments and love your reviews as well on whatever platform you choose to listen to your podcast stay tuned and and subscribe as we um release more and more of these episodes we'll talk to you next time